This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we go back to 1946. What was happening then? Well, a few of the most salient headlines included in the news that AT&T announced the first car phones. The first successful motor scooter, the Vespa, was introduced, as was the microwave oven. Tupperware is introduced to U.S. consumers, and the bikini debuted in Paris during July. Now, that was created by French designer Louis Rayard. The risque two-piece swimsuit took its name from the recent atomic testing done by the U.S. at Bikini Atoll. During World War II, women's sw- swimming suits gradually got smaller and became two-pieces due to a combination of fabric use restrictions and societal change. But they had still been relatively conservative compared to Riyadh's newly developed much smaller two-piece swimsuit. The bikini caused quite a bit of scandal and controversy when it was revealed, but gradually gained acceptance across much of Europe and throughout the 50s, even as it was banned in certain locations. The bikini actually did not reach the United States until 1960s when it became popular with youth culture, but it was only really fully accepted after film stars were seen wearing it, and then it became a pop culture. In 1946, The Adventures of Sam Spade debuted on ABC. The Bickersons debuted on NBC. Philco Radio Time, in October, starred Bing Crosby making his debut on the ABC network with Bob Hope appearing as Bing's first guest. And with all of these no-shows, one of the most popular radio shows continued and had been in the air since 1930. That show, The Shadow, where we begin tonight's entertainment with the uh, episode Gorilla Man. Again, the Mutual Network brings you the thrilling adventures of the Shadow, the hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay. The Shadow, who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret. The hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, The Gorilla Man. (laughs) 
Smitty, they call me. Sometimes the gorilla man. I've handled bigger monkeys than most men make of themselves. I'm not pretty to look at, but animals don't care about that. The only friend I've got is the meanest, strongest, sharp-toothed gorilla in this part of the world. I was on the safari when they caught Big Boy. They put me in charge when he came to the zoo. Nobody could go near him but me. I'd go right in his cage. Then I heard them talking. The visitors to the zoo as they passed the cage. Oh, look, darling, what a magnificent ape. <laughs> Which one do you mean? Oh, oh really, Henry. But that keeper does look as much like an ape as the animal in that cage. Oh, glandular, probably. Yes, glandular, probably. Oh! But how horrible to look more like an animal than a human, my dear. Glandula, probably. What the devil did they mean? Maybe it was what Blinky was always teasing me about. He's the slimy little pup that handles the snakes. You're getting cracked over that ape, Smitty. They'll be locking you up in a cage. Go on, Blinky. (laughs) Take a look at yourself sometime. You're beginning to look like an ape. <laughs> I got hold of a mirror and took a look at my face. I was. What they said was true. The hair was growing longer on my ears and my, my neck. When I pulled back my lips, I saw my teeth sharper and whiter. My skin was growing more wrinkled. I couldn't pull back my lips over the two long fangs that had been my eye teeth. They'll put me in a cage, is what Blinky said. In a jail, maybe. I'll never see my friends again. big boy. I still have the key to his cage. Tonight, when it's dark. Big boy. You look awful. They've been treating you bad. You've got blood matted in your hair and welts. They've been beating you, big boy. Hey! I was in that cage. Who's in there with Big Boy? Blinky. Ah. Well, if it ain't the Gorilla Man. Why have you got that whip? I've got it to have a little fun with Big Boy. We always play like this. Put down that whip. Get away from the cage. You need for this treatment, too, you big hairy ape. You drop that whip. No. All right, into your face. Like a wild as an animal. Yeah. Take a good look, Blinky. <laughs> I'm turning into a name. Oh, you're crazy. 
Let me out of here. So oh. you can go and get me locked up when no. they can. No, no. Oh, I won't tell nothing. I won't. Be the big no. boy, will you? No. Well, look at me. Go on, Blinky. I can't crush your bones just like that. Miss Lane, I'll bet you look like a million in that country club dance, like a million, I'll bet you look. Well, thank you very much, Reedy, but hadn't you better look at the road? Hey, there's a park zoo we're passing, we're passing. So we are. Looks almost like a dense jungle looming up here in the dark. It's a good reproduction. Yeah. Even the animal keepers' quarters are built like individual ah! natives. What's that? Reedy, ah! look out. Someone's crossing the road. Come on, Reedy, quickly. Gee, Mr. Cranston. He's all over blood, all over. The man is dead. There's a bunch of keys in his belt and a tag. Yes. There's Park Zoo. He's clutching something in one of his hands. It's hair. Hair. Long strands of black hair. Lamont, maybe some wild animal is loose. Wild animal? Maybe, but this feels more like human hair. I didn't want to kill Blinky. I just wanted to teach him to keep his mouth shut. Until men and the woman carried his body into the boss's hut. And the cab driver came out again, but the others are talking inside. Yes, Mr. Cranston, he was one of my animal keepers, Blinky. He ran right in front of our cab. He didn't seem to know what he was doing. Well, he... He was a mean, ugly guy, especially when he got drunk. You think one of the animals I might... wouldn't be surprised. He liked to tease them to a fury when he got drunk. And he's been in charge of big boy Smitty's pet. The ugliest acting gorilla I've ever seen. This uh, Smitty, you say he ran away? Why? I never could make that out. I thought he was crazy about that gorilla. <laughs> he was a funny sort of guy. More like an ape himself than big boy was at times. How long has he been gone, Oh, several weeks now. Don't suppose we'll see him again. I wouldn't be too sure, Mr. Prouty. This may be more than an accidental death. You you think Smitty might... I don't know. I suppose this uh, Blinky had more friends and enemies on the ground. No friends, Mr. Cranston, just enemies. Even his wife hated him. He treated her as mean as he treated the animal. Well, Mr. Prouty, is his wife living here with him? Yes, her name is T. She's training for black beauty, the black... Panther pride of the zoo. Do you mind if Miss Lane and I stop and see her? Oh, not at all, Mr. Cranston. Oh, uh, will you break the news? Yes, Mr. Prouty. Then I think I'd better try to locate this, uh, Smithy, your gorilla man. Smithy. The gorilla man. Me. That man and woman are going to try to find me. They'll find out my awful secret. I'll be locked in the cage. I have to stop them. I have to follow and stop them now, even if I have to kill again. Now, oh, this must be Teague's hut here. Hmm. I wonder what she's like. Nursemaid and trainer for a wild black panther. I don't know. Yes? Who is this? What do you want? 
Well, I'm Lamont Cranston. Miss Lane and I have come from Mr. Prouty's office. May we see you inside a moment? Yes. Wait, please. I will light it now. Oh, Lamont. She almost purred. She's like a cat. Do you see those green eyes in the moonlight? Yes, and her long blue-black hair. The lamp's lighted. If she comes back. Darling, she even walks like a cat. Come in, please. Oh, thank you. What was that? Oh, do not be frightened. That is only my panther black beauty. Oh. That other door across the room leads to her cage. The, uh, the animal's scratching at the door. Yes. Black beauty hates the sound of any voice but mine. <laughs> Down, beauty. Down now. Yes, that is better. Yes, Mr. Cranston. It's uh, rather shocking news, I'm afraid. About your husband. My husband, Bleaky. Yes. He's dead. He found his body tonight. I am not surprised. He was drunk when he left here. One of the animals got him? Yes, how did you know? I always thought that would happen. Um, would you like to go to him now? Body's in Mr. Prouty's hut. If you think it's proper, I should. I will go. Uh, do you mind if we rest a moment? Miss Lane is dreadfully oh, tired. Oh, no, not here. Do, yes, do if you wish. Oh. Darling, why did you insist on us staying here? I don't like it very much with that beast so close. Something I want to find, Martha. Did you close that door, darling? No. When must the run it shut? Shouldn't be much of a draft, only that one small window in the place. What did you find just now? You put something in your coat pocket, didn't you? Something very interesting, Margot. Some other strands of long blue-black hair. <coughs> the lamp went out. Someone threw a rock through that open window. Darling, there's someone out there. You can see a silhouette in the moonlight. Stand still, darling. Swinging over the window ledge. It's a gorilla. Crossing the room into that dark corner. Don't, don't move. It might not touch us. Coming back, isn't it? Yes, it's swinging back out the window. That's funny. I wonder. Do, do you think we dare go out now? It, it may still be around. The mount! The panther in the other room in the cage! It's heard us and it's crying on the door again. Let's get out of here! Margo, what's wrong? The door's locked. The outside? It couldn't be. Let's well, try it. Oh, Margo, someone's holding it shut. Can you get it open? No, I can't. Lamont, the door of the panther's cage is opening. Look at those green eyes. He's in this room. Stand still. Don't move, darling. It's crouching. It's going to jump. trainer's hut, adjoining a huge black panther's cage. Mysteriously, the cage door opens, and the panther enters and crouches. Suddenly, he springs. Don't go, I'll quickly get in the cage. Oh, look out! Oh, oh, oh my. We're safe. Can't get into this cage. Oh, thank goodness. 
Still got to get someone to catch that beast, then get us out of here. How did the panther get in the hut? The cage door was locked. Figure we saw enter through the window and cross the roof. Oh, of course, the ape unlocked the door. Ape or man or whatever it is, it tried to kill us, Marco. Someone or something knows we're on the right track. And wants us both out of the way. Glad to be out of that panther cage. No more than you are, I'll bet. <laughs> oh, there's the cab, Margo. And Shrevey, in the front seat, patiently waiting. That's patiently sleeping. Hey, Shrevey, wake up. Uh, oh, hop in, hop in, sir. Cab's empty, it's empty. Oh, it's you, Mr. Cranston. Oh, Turn on your headlights, will you, Shrevey? There you are, Mr. Cranston. Brightest day, that's how bright. What are you doing, Lamont? The strands of black hair were found on Blinky's body tonight. So? Comparing them with these others. These belong to the beautiful beast that nearly did us in just now. Oh, do they match? No. No, it's not Black Beauty's hair Blinky was holding. Well, now what are you doing, darling? Where did you get that comb? I picked it up from Teague's dressing table before the lights went out. A few strands of her hair in it. Oh, Lamont, they do match, don't they? Exactly. In texture as well as color, Margot. Hop in the cab, darling. Wait for me here. Are you going back to Teague's hut again? Yes. Blinky's wife, Teague, is about to receive a visit from the shadow. Oh, poor beauty. My poor black beauty. Did they hurt you trying to put you back in the cage? Yes, yes, Teague understands. She knows what you say. You... Can you hear my voice? What? Can you hear me too, Teague? What is that? Am I mad? My beast speaks. Beauty, are you bewitched? You hear the voice of the shadow. Shadow? There, there is no one here. Where, where are you? My pet will find you by stealth. Beauty, find him. Kill him. Oh. You would kill me like you did your husband, Teague? I did not. It is a lie. Prove it quickly. Close the door to his cage. Oh, oh, oh. He smells you out. He's coming toward your voice. Yes, but look, Teague. Here's a new animal act for you. The chair. It is rising in the air. He's backing away. You frighten my black beauty. As the chair comes nearer, he backs away. Yes, now lock his cage. If you ever want control of him again, lock him away. Yes, yes, I locked the cage. Is that how you killed your husband, Teague? Did you lock him in the cage with your beast? No. No, I did not. I did not kill him, I swear. Strands of your black hair were found clutched in his hand when his body was found. Yes. Yes, yes, I know that is true. And you killed him? No. No, I did not. But I did see him die. And who killed him, Teague? Speak. You would save your own life? Yes. Yes, I speak. He killed him. The gorilla man. Smithy killed your husband tonight? Yes. Yes, he did. I followed my husband when he left his hut tonight. He was drunk. Took a whip. I vowed this time he would not harm any beast. Where did he find the gorilla man? In the cage with his pet, big boy. My husband struck with the whip. Smithy took him in his big ape-like arms, crushing and clawing. Sent him screaming away. You stood by and watched? He saw me. Came running to me for help. Broken and bleeding. He grabbed at me like a man drowning, begging for help. I ran. I saw him running the other way, half crazy with fear and pain. I'm glad he is dead. He deserved the fate he met. 
Why haven't you told me this before? I protect all animals first from the evil deeds of men. Smithy is no animal, he's a man. More beast than man, I warn you. Where is this creature hiding now? I do not know. I will not tell you if I die. <laughs> he can't be far away. I promise you the shadow will find this half-man, half-ape. I didn't go through the door. With my long arms, I swung up through a shattered window easily. I swung on arms that looked like a gorilla's. The change is coming on me faster and faster, and I'm glad. I want only one thing. I want to be a gorilla. That's okay by me. By me, it's okay. I was speaking to Miss Lane, Shreve. Oh, sorry, Mr. Cranston. I was dozing, I guess I was dozing. That's all right, Shreve. Where were you, Lamont? The manager's hut. On the map of this area, and I've been checking property in the vicinity of the zoo. Oh? Chances are this Smithy, whatever he is, is hiding out near there somewhere. Well, shouldn't we inform the police? Can't very well go to them with a story of a man turning into a gorilla, darling. No. Do you think you know where he might be hiding? Yes. There's an old abandoned farmhouse about half a mile from the zoo. Shrevey, start the motor. I'll tell you how to get there. My arms grow longer and more hairy. Maybe the change is complete. I look in the mirror. The face of a gorilla looks back at me. Leave the car by the main road, Shrevey. We'll sneak up on the house. Okay, Mr. Cranston. I'm with you. It's you I'm with, okay? Is that the house there through the trees, Lamont? Yes, Tom. It's a frightening-looking old place. I'll take this gun, Shrevey, and this flashlight. Now, uh, you better wait in the car, darling. Alone out here? Not on your life. If you're going to meet this gorilla man, darling, I'm going to be with you. <laughs> So good, Mr. Cranston. You know, pretty good so far. Be careful of those wooden port steps, now. Don't fall through. Yeah. Whole place looks as though it might collapse. I hope not while we're inside. Not while we're inside, I hope. The moon's bright enough for a while. Don't use your flash until I tell you, Shrevey. Okay, okay. Now, you take the ground floor, Shrevey. Margo and I'll go upstairs. Okay, Mr. Cranston. It's okay with me. I'll go down in the hall first. Right down at the end. I will. Shrevey! What's happened? You all right? Well, something's happened to him, Lamont. He danced. Shrevey! Better see what it is. Come on, look. Look up at the top of the stairs. Yes, I can see it standing there in the moonlight. They were right. That's not human. That's a huge gorilla. Yes, it is. Come on, it's starting down the stairs. Turn and run, Margot. I didn't count on this. Run to the car. But, but, what? Hurry, run, Margot. All right, but. Come on, follow me. Margot. Margot, can you hear me? Get out of here. Yes, yes. Get out of this house. It's got me. Run, Margo. Kill it. Oh, Margo. Lamar. 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 
Got to get to Lamont Street. The gorilla men attacked him. Come on, quick. You're in his house, Miss Lane? Yes, yes. Don't wait. We only had a flashlight. You wait here, Miss Lane. You wait here. I'll go upstairs. I'll go. Well, hurry, will you, Shreevy? We must find Lamont. Maybe I can... What are you doing here? What? Who are you? You killed my brother. Your brother? Big boy, my brother. My brother ape. You shot him outside. Your brother... Well, you're smitty, aren't you? You're the gorilla man. You killed my brother out there. No. Yes. You'll die, too. I'll kill you, too. I got him tonight. Let him out of his cage. The zoo will run away with me. Now I'll kill you. Let me go. Now you die, too. The gorilla man will kill you. Squeeze your life away. The shadow knows who you are. Who's that? The voice of the shadow. He knows you killed Blinky. You'll never get me. Nobody can get me now. Shadow finds all evil. You're both soul with the rest. No voice or man can get me now. The voice of the shadow will follow until you give up. Up. Up the stairs. Up the stairs the shadow follows. Until you confess. I'm too fast for everyone. Like a nape, I swing up over that banner. That's why you can't follow. Shadow can follow. Faster, faster. Reach the top of the stairway. There's nowhere to go. There's a place I can go. Up this ladder to the roof. Come down, you insane fool. Through this skylight and onto the roof. Come in off that roof. That voice is here. It's following me here. A voice like your conscience follows you everywhere. You think I'm trapped. Look at my strong, long arms, my heavy, short legs. I'm a gorilla now, and I can climb and jump as a beast. Down the rain pipe I'll climb. You'll forget my no powers. Come back. Down, down I go. Hand under hand. Come back quickly. Uh, the rain pipe is breaking. Come back. You know, Lamont, I feel sorry for that poor creature. Falling to his death like that. Hey, where was you, Mr. Cranston, when I was looking all over the house upstairs for you? It was for you I was looking. You were just looking in all the wrong rooms, Shrevey. And where was you, Shrevey, when you left Miss Lane and me to be attacked by big boy Smitty's ape? I had a little accident. Oh. It was a little accident I had. Oh, that was when we heard that crash of wood. That was a crash of me, Miss Lane. The crash of me it was. <laughs> the floorboards gave up and I landed flat and... Uh, the cellar floor, the cellar floor, that is. <laughs> well, thank goodness you revived in time to save me from that gorilla. Yes, that ape was big boy, and not Smitty turned gorilla man. Smitty had stolen to the zoo after dark tonight and let big boy escape to the house. Well, where was he when we got there? He'd gone foraging for food for them both for the night. Oh. He was going to free big boy so they could roam the countryside and be free together. Huh? Yes, that was his plan. He thought he'd be free as no one would recognize him as Smitty. But Lamont, I saw him. When he grabbed me, he wasn't a gorilla at all. I know, Marco. Strange quirk of his mind. 
Poor Smitty really believed those taunts and those jeers. He really believed he turned into the gorilla up to the moment he died. The Shadow Program is based on a story copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications. The characters, names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Again next week, The Shadow will demonstrate that the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> Friends, next Sunday at a new time, 3.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time over many of these stations, the Mutual Network will bring you another strange and thrilling adventure in the shadow's daring battle against the forces of evil. Be sure to listen at the new time, 3.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time next Sunday for The Shadow. And remember, the best way to save is to buy U.S. savings bonds, and the best way to buy them regularly is through the payroll savings plan. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Marion and Jim Jordan to don the outfits of Fibber McGee and Molly. This show was first aired in 1941. The Man in Black. Here again to introduce Columbia's program, Suspense. Our distinguished star this evening is that delightful gentleman, Mr. Roland Young, playing as author of detective novels, who invented his best plot when his life was at stake. With Mr. Young to play his long-suffering secretary is Miss Peggy Conklin. A story by John Dixon Carr in a somewhat lighter mood than is our habit and called The Customer's Like Murder, is tonight's tale of suspense. If you've been with us on these Tuesday nights, you will know that suspense is compounded of mystery and suspicion and dangerous adventure. In this series are tales calculated to intrigue you, to stir your nerves, to offer you a precarious situation, and then withhold the solution until the last possible moment. And so with The Customer's Like Murder and the performance of Roland Young, we again hope to keep you in... Suspense. On a hot summer night in a village on the east coast of England, a famous writer of detective stories is dictating to his secretary. You have all heard of Mr. Gerald Hawkstone, celebrated author of Murder on the Wolfhead. Aconite at the Admiralty, Who Shot the Prime Minister, and other thrillers which have held us past the midnight hour. You have followed the exploits of Pendleton King, diplomat detective. Gerald Hopstone lived quietly at deal with his friend Dr. Roberts nearby in case he should need medical knowledge. And his pretty, if somewhat pert Canadian secretary, Miss Patricia Phillips. Gerald Hopstone would be a happy man, even in wartime. If you got all that, Miss Phillips? Yes, Mr. Hawkstone. Good. New paragraph? Yes, Mr. Hawkstone. As the head of the great banqueting table, comma, the Lord Chief Justice staggered to his feet, full stop. 
His face was a ghastly whitish color, and his eyes had become glassy. Is he drunk, Mr. Hawkstone? No, Miss Phillips. The Lord Chief Justice is not drunk. Sounds pretty cockeyed to me. For your information, Miss Phillips, the Lord Chief Justice has just been poisoned with curare because he discovered the identity of the master criminal. Is that clear? Yes, Mr. Hawkstone. But I wish you wouldn't do it. Do what? Well, in the last four books, Mr. Hawkstone, you have shot the Prime Minister, killed the Lord Chancellor with an axe, poisoned the Home Secretary, and blown up the First Lord of the Admiralty. Why don't you stop picking on the poor government and murder somebody else for a change? The Lord Chancellor, Miss Phillips, was not murdered with an axe. No, Mr. Hawkstone? Definitely no. He was beamed with the Great Seal and found dead on the Woolsack. And there's another thing, Miss Phillips. Whether you talk like this because of a dense vacuum in what we will charitably call your mind... Really, Mr. Hawkstone? ...or whether you are really making out what you might define as heart cracks, I don't know. But I don't want any more of it, do you hear? Just as you please, Mr. Hawkstone. I, I... Oh, Lord, where was I? His face was a ghastly whitish color, and his eyes had become glassy. Sounds like me. All right. A single choking cry escaped his lips. Comma. And his body crumpled to the floor. Full stop. New paragraph. With one swift stride, Pendleton King had reached the fallen man. Mm-mm. He can't have done that, Mr. Hawkstone. Who can't have done what? Pendleton King. What about him? Well, on the last page, you had him sitting at the foot of the table. So he can't get there in one stride. Unless you want him to sail across the room like a kangaroo. There are times, Miss Phillips, when I should like to poison you with curare and dance on your grave. <sighs> I was only trying to help. All right, change it, change it, strike it out. With hardly a second's delay, how's that? Comma. Pendleton King had reached the fallen man. Full stop. New paragraph. Quote. I feared it, comma. Close quote. He muttered. Full stop. Quote. Note the rigidity of the muscles. Exclamation point. Note the characteristic odor of curare, which... That won't do, Mr. Hawkstone. Why not? Curare hasn't got any odor. Now, there, Miss Phillips, you've really gone too far. But I can't help that. It's true. If you will permit the small vanity, I am noted for the correctness of my medical knowledge. Who is murdering the Lord Chief Justice, you or I? You are. But you might murder him properly. Girari hasn't got any odor. I say it has. And I say it hasn't. Listen, Miss Phillips. I propose to settle this rather childish dispute by going next door and asking Dr. Roberts. Will that convince you? Girari hasn't got any odor. Anyway, the Lord Chief Justice wouldn't be mixed up in any such silliness as this. Silliness, eh? Yes, I said silliness. Read your evening paper. The Lord Chief Justice is sentencing some American gangster who got involved in a robbery over here. That's the sort of thing he really does. You're very fond of these gangster reports, aren't you? Yes, I am, because they're real. Real? Ha! Don't you say ha to me. Merely remarking, Miss Phillips, that with your usual ingenuity, you sidetrack the argument. I am going to see Dr. Roberts. That's not necessary, of course. My own knowledge of poisons is as great as that of any doctor. Doctor, far. And finally, kindly don't say far to me, either. When I return, Miss Phillips, I hope to find you in a better frame of mind. Please observe that I, at least, have been able to keep my temper. Excuse me. All right. Go on. See if I care.
No. Excuse me, but... Uh... Good evening, Mr. Hawkstone. Uh, good evening, Mrs. Roberts. May I come in? Of course. Mind the blackout curtain. My, isn't it hot and stuffy tonight? Rather close, yes. Is the um, doctor in? I'm afraid he isn't, Mr. Hawkstone. But I expect him back any minute. Oh, out on a call? No, I'm almost certain he isn't. Because that's his medicine case and stethoscope there on the table. I think he's just gone up the road to get some tobacco. Do you mind if I wait? Not at all. But uh, you will excuse me if I run along. I promised Mrs. Anderson I'd drop in there. It's her neuralgia again. And I'm terribly late already. Don't let me detain you, Mrs. Roberts. Go go right ahead. I'm afraid you'll have to wait in George's consulting room. I've got most of the house dark so I could keep the windows open. You know which room it is? Yes. Yes, yes, I could, I could find it blindfolded. Oh, uh, and I wonder if you'd take the medicine patient's stethoscope and drop them in the consulting room. George is so careless, he lets them lie about anywhere. Medicine case? Stethoscope, yes. As a matter of fact, I've always wanted to hang one of these things on my neck like this. <laughs> Look almost like a doctor, don't I? Good night, Mrs. Roberts. Good night, Mr. Hawkstone. See you later. Oh, what I write is silliness, eh? And I don't know anything about poison. And I call her Miss Phillips instead of Patricia. Ah, here we are. Ah, where's that light switch? Good Lord. Come on in, Doc. Close the door. Who the deuce are you? You want to keep healthy, Doc? Just do what you're told. Come in and close the door. Is that by any chance a revolver you're pointing at me? Ain't no cigarette case. I'm warning you. Oh, I'm hanged. I've done it a thousand times in stories, but I never thought... Don't drop that junk you're carrying, either. You're going to need it, Doc, when you come along with me. Come along with you? Where? Just to see a guy, that's all. To see a... Oh, wait a minute. You don't think I'm the doctor? Now, look, Doc. I ain't got any time for gags, see? The boss says to bring you, so I bring you. There'll be a very sick man out there if you don't go. Yes, there'll be a very dead man out there if I do go. I tell you, old man, you're making a terrible mistake. Now, look, Doc. My name is Hawkstone. I live next door. I'm not a medical man, and I never... Somebody's coming. Philip. Well, then, Dr. Hawkstone, just look here in the encyclopedia. So you ain't a doctor, huh? That's done it. Just a real old-fashioned kidder, ain't you? Now, you keep quiet, lady. You know, it's good for you. I know you. I've seen your picture. You're a big Louie Miller. Pretty smart thing you got here, Doc. I'm... Listen, Mr. Hawkstone. Take it easy, Miss Miss. Big Louie Miller and Slats Kelly. Slats Kelly is the gang leader. Well, we're supposed to be friends of this gangster who's on trial in London now. But I hadn't heard they were in England. No, lady. Neither is anybody else. No, we're for it. Who is this same Dr. Knight? No, she's my secretary. She doesn't know anything about this. She seems to know too much about it, if you ask me. Come on, lady. You're going with it. Going? Where? Just for a little ride, lady. Just for a little ride. <laughs> out from the village in flat and miry swampland where pools of stagnant water gleam under the moon stands the old Rutherford house. It is a desolate place on the track of Field Marshal Goering's bombers when they cross the coastline. But there are no searchlights here and no guns. Only the heat on the glimmering marshes and the decaying weather-boarded house as a motor car approaches. Drive straight ahead, Doc. Right around to the back of the house. 
Remember, I still got this rod against the back of your neck. As a matter of fact, Louie, I'm rather enjoying this. All except the murder. What murder? We ain't gonna bump anybody off. Maybe, maybe, maybe not you, old boy, but I am. Just wait till I get at your patient. I don't see how you can joke about this. I'm not joking, Miss Phillips. If Louie won't tell us what's wrong with the patient... Whenever you mind the patient, Doc, you just drive around here. Yeah, whoa. So, right here. Oh. So this is the enchanted castle, eh? Climb out of here. Walk ahead of me over to that house. Come on, Mr. Lip. That's right, lady. You too. Come on. Hey, hold on, Doc. Grab a can of this cleaning fluid here. You can help me carry it in. Cleaning fluid? Yeah, there's two cans of it. If I can carry one, then I need my other hand for this ride. Come on. Come on. We ain't got all night. Get it out of the back seat. Professionally, this is a little out of my line of duty. What do you want with the cleaning fluid? The boss's suits get all messed up, so I clean them for him. I play nice maid and everything around here. Come on, uh, straight ahead. Stop asking questions. You got this place blacked out, Louis. If the police don't get you, the air raid warden will. Forget it, Doc. We got this place so sealed up, you can hardly breathe inside. In here? That's right, lady. Go ahead. I'll close the door. I can't see, old boy. Which way? Here. Set that can down and follow me. You too, lady. Ah, right here with the curtains hanging over the door. Now, I want you to meet the boss. So I open the curtain like this. Howdy, Doc. Come right in. Glad to see you. I've been expecting you. Glad to see you, old man. I imagine you're the celebrated Mr. Kelly. That's me, Doc. Flat Kelly to you. Glad to see you taking this nice and friendly. Louis, what's the idea of bringing in the dame? I couldn't help it, boy. Oh. She's as nice, see? She was with him. And she knew who I was. She did, eh? I don't know anything. All I want to do is to go home. Ah, that's all right, sister. You go home all nice and friendly. As soon as I've had a little talk with the doctor. A talk about what? Well, we're not what you might call comfortable here, Doc. Well, we've got flashlights, canned food, plenty of liquor, portable radio that works on a battery. Well, we managed to get along. You know what I mean? I said to talk about what? Well, that's it. That's what I'm going to tell you. We pulled a snatch, see? You pulled a snatch? He means they kidnapped somebody. That's right, sister. You speak English. May I ask who was snatched? Well, I'll tell you, Doc, because it'll have you a big laugh. The guy we snatched was the big shot you call the Lord Chief Justice. You snatched the Lord Chief Justice? We sure did, Doc, and his clerk, too. They're in the room right over there. Such a trap, Louis. I didn't mean nothing, boys. I was only trying to... Did you hear me say such a trap? Okay. But look here, what, what was the idea behind this snatch? Well, I'll tell you, Doc. We got a pal, see? Well? Dominic Pirelli, his name is. He's up on a grand larceny rap, and Pirelli don't like Glimey Jails. He don't like him at all. Besides, the dirty little rat owes me 14G. So what do we do? Snatch the Lord Chief Justice, apparently, but why? Because the mouthpiece back home tells me long ago that a man can't be sentenced except for the judge that tried him. And the Lord Chief Justice is the judge who tried Dominic Ferretti, is that it? That's right, Doc. But it ain't the main thing. The Chief Justice is a pretty important guy, see? So, what do we do? We write to the cops and say, now look, we got the old bird in a place where you'll never find him, and if you want to keep things nice and friendly, just spring Dominic Ferretti. Bring him? Turn him loose. Sure. Bring Ferretti and you'll get the old judge back in one piece. If you don't do it, you'll get him back with his head as full of holes as a Swiss cheese. And we're not kidding. This is horrible. I can't stand it. Take it easy, sister. Take it easy. You know, Slat, 
I admire you tremendously. You do, Doc. Why? Because you've invented a crazier idea than I ever did. Just what do you mean by that track, Doc? You don't honestly think the government will make a bargain with you. I sort of think they will, Doc. I sort of think they will. But what if they don't? It'll be just too bad for a lot of people. You know what I mean? Why wouldn't I like to give that judge a coin over? <laughs> Louie's got a sort of a sort of a grudge against the old guy, Doc. Why wouldn't you have? Louie's temperamental, see? He gets bored. Here. So he says to the old guy and his clerk, he says, Can you play poker? Just says, sure. So they play poker from six in the evening to five in the morning. <laughs> what do you know? If the old judge don't win, all Louis dough. They rung in a call back on me. That's how they done it. They're a couple of crooks. Are you accusing the Lord Chief Justice of playing poker with Mark Card? He won my dough, didn't Shut he? up, Louis. Okay, boy. How did I blame Louis much? The things I've had to take from that judge. Well, that's where you come in, Doc. I was just wondering about that. Which one of them is... Uh... Hurt? Nobody hurt. Not yet. Then what the devil do you want with me? I want them kept quiet so they don't keep trying to escape. <gasps> we can't get tough with them, not until I get Pirelli and my 14 Gs. And I want you to give them a hypodermic or something that'll keep them out cold for two days. Can you do that? Why, yes, I uh, I don't know. I, I suppose I could. Oh, uh, no, for heaven's sake, be careful. Now, what do you use to dope them? Well, under the circumstances and... Uh, Considering all the um, factors involved, I think I should use, uh, I should use morphine. Have you got any morphine in that black satchel? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Plenty of morphine. I, I always go about equipped for these little emergencies. Well, then open the satchel. Come on, open it. Uh, well, there you are. Dozens of little bottles, anyway. Now then, Doc, which one of them bottles is the one that has the morphine in it? I, the, the fact is that... Come I on, come on, which one is it? Listen, boss. Louie, how many times do I have to tell you to shut up? Yeah, but it's the midnight news. The news on the radio. You said you wanted to hear it. It's after midnight now. Why didn't you tell me? It's all right, boss. I switched the radio on. Well, then keep quiet, all of you. Up a second now, you're going to hear some mighty sweet news. I wonder. So do I. Quiet. And that's us, Hannah. The Quiet. stated Superintendent Hadley of the CID, seemed to entertain a belief that no sentence can be passed on a criminal except by the judge who tried him. Whatever may be the law in certain American states, this is not the case here. Dominic Forelli, alias Dominic Stevens, was today sentenced by Mr. Justice Stoneman to 14 years hard labor and this evening entered Dartmoor prison. Why, that's One moment, please. Cross him, boy, you told me. Take it easy, boy. Take it easy. Look Kelly. He's as white as a ghost and his mouth is twisting back as though... Here is a bulletin just received. Scotland Yard Flying Squad cars, assisted by the constabulary of a county which for obvious reasons cannot be named, are closing in on the two kidnappers believed to be men already wanted in the United States for murder. That's right. Will anyone who has any further information about these men whose descriptions follow communicate with New Scotland Yard, telephone number Whitehall 121... Wait till I get my hands on it. That's right, boss. Everything's all right now. Turn it off. I turned it off. Do more than turn it off, Louis. I'll fix that thing. Hey, wait a minute. Go, boss. Hey, don't bust the radio. Oh, you're heading on the butt of the radio, boss. Now we can't get any news. We've had our news, Avery. Come on, put that light out. I want to look out the window. Oh, they're closing in. Trisha, you see, I can call you that. Why couldn't you have called me that weeks ago? Oh, well, putting that aside, I started it as half a joke. But I'm not joking now. I intend to get that rat-faced slats if it's the last thing I ever do. It probably will be. But how are you going to? First, Pendleton King, my dear. He's oh, got really? out of worse scrapes uh, than that. 14,000 bucks gone! And the cops on our tail will be standing here yapping. You heard what that radio said, Louie. Yeah, I heard it, all right. Look, boss, we better lamb out of here while sure, it's Oh, we will, Louie. Before we go, we settle things with the old guy in the other room. 
Can't get away with it, Louis. This is England. They'll hang you. So what? We got a murder rap a face in the States, ain't we? Am I just as soon hang as fry? What about you, Louis? You said it, boss. Let me take this rod of mine, stick it against the back of the old guy's neck and... Oh, no, no, no. No rod. That's too easy. Easy? Sure. One slug and it's all over. This guy rates special treatment. And that's where the doctor comes in. You know anything about poisons, Doc? I know a good deal about poisons. The customers like murder. What's that? Oh, nothing. Just a slogan in my profession. Look, uh, Louis, do you remember the time Johnny Presco was running the old Third Avenue Social Club? Yeah. And Mike Delaney talks out of turn? And they feed him some white stuff called, uh, strychnine? Oh, yeah. And sit around and light cigarettes and watch him die. It took four hours, Doc, and you could hear the rats screaming as far as 81st Street. Now, wait a minute. That's you, Carl. I can't, huh? We'll see. You got any of that white stuff, Doc? Well, I... Come on, I, I, you've I, got I, something I in that I... bag that'll make the old guy squeal now, haven't you? Why... Yes, I, I suppose well, I have, but listen, I'm... get this sure. You can do it the hard way, Doc, or you can do it the easy way. Louis gets to work on you. Maybe you'd be smarter to hand the stuff over right now. What do you say? I, uh... Listen, <clears throat> What's the matter, Fred? Troubled by the heat? It is hot in here with all the windows sealed up. That sounds like planes. It is planes. British planes going over to put the heat on Germany? Well, such luck, old boy. German planes coming to bomb us. About, uh... About a dozen Heinkels flying 20,000 feet up. Uh-huh. They're keen here, Miss Phillips. Say, I'd say not over 15. That's the first wave, set. There'll be another wave in a minute or two. But you needn't be alarmed. They're going somewhere else. They only... Just, Louisa! Why, how do you force them under the table already? Only a little visiting card set and fully a quarter of a mile away. Put out that light, Louis, and pull that curtain back off the window. Yeah, that's what... That... See what you can see. Okay. Do what I tell you, big luck. All right, all right. They can't see a thing. The sky's as black as pitch. Oh, look over there. Well, what is it? It's a light, boy. Funny kind of a white light. Up there over the tree. It's not very steady. It starts and then stems. And then it starts and stems. Only a basket of incendiary bombs, Louis. Incendiary, eh? What is it, Jerry? You got an idea? Louis, this is just what we've been waiting for. Those Scotland Yard cars are going to get held up until we can settle things with those guys in the other room. Come along with me. Why don't you two lugs get smart? Jerry. What's that? You don't want to have your neck cracked on a rope, do you? Or burn in the electric chair back what home? What are you getting at? Why not take advice from somebody who's been killing people in a professional way for 15 years? I'm not in the mood for gags, Doc, but keep on talking. This law chief justice and his clerk, what do they look like? Well, the judge is a little guy with a bald head like me. And the other one is a big guy with a punch-drunk can like Louie. Why? I thought so. I've seen that photograph. When the next wave of planes comes over, and it will, why shouldn't an incendiary bomb hit this house? You mean you think I ain't too safe, sir? Be quiet, Louie. Go ahead, Doc. In other words, you leave the law chief justice and his clerk tied up in the other room. Then all you have to do is to set fire to the place. Justice cheated, Medlington gangsters die and blaze. Jerry Hawkstone, have you gone crazy? They may catch you eventually, yes. But it'll give you a few days' start. Hey, maybe you got something there, Doc. It's got to look good. This house must go up like a piece of paper in a furnace, past any possibility of being put out. Yeah, and that's the catch. Why so? This house is in the middle of a swamp, see? It's as damp as your own climate. You couldn't make it burn with a blowtorch. Oh, yes, you could. Aren't you forgetting the cleaning fluid? Cleaning fluid? In that other room, you've got two gallons of cleaning fluid. That's benzene, a derivative of petrol. 
Soak every inch of the floor of that room with it, every inch of it, mind, and the place will go up like tinder. It's worth a try, Louis. Turn on your flashlight. Okay, boss. And, uh, what about you two, Doc? Afterwards? For accessories, aren't we? Are we likely to talk? Better put a couple of slugs in them, boss, and drop them on the road. What's one or two more bumps in a spot like this? Maybe you're right at that. Well, anyway, Doc, thanks for a swell idea. You heard what the doc said, Louis. Get going with that cleaning step. Both of you had better do it. I'm warning you. Oh, why? Hear that? Because there isn't much time. Here they come. You can't have a fire start after the last wave of planes has gone over. Well, maybe you got something there, too. But I'll just take a little precaution first. What are you going to do? These are handcuffs, sister. Two of the neatest pair of cuffs we ever swiped off a dumb cop. Now, I'll just lock your arms around the back of the chair. Like this. And the doc's arms around the back of his chair. Like this. And we'll get going. Come on, Louis, through the curtain. Okay, I'm coming, boss. Bye-bye, Mr. Hawkstone. And your lady fun. Be saying you're in a funny paper. Or in a morgue. <laughs> Long now. They must have everything in there. Soaked with that benzene by now. Jerry, I know you can't be completely crazy. Many thanks, my dear, for the qualification. You're right. They have soaked the place with benzene. And if they strike a match before... I know, I know you, you've got some kind of a scheme, but do you think it'll work? I don't know, my dear. I thought of it once for a story. Oh, you and your story. Me and my stories, as Louis will put it, may save our hides yet. But suppose it doesn't work. Then we're done for. What are you trying to do? There's a place you missed, boss. Here, I got it. Listen. It's not working. But, but it's got to work. What's got to work? Four, no, five minutes. See, at least that. They've, they've been pulling out that benzene an inch at a time all over What's the... That? What's that? Listen, listen. What's the matter, you big lad? Did you stand up? Got me smart, I think. It's working, Patricia. I think our friends are licked. No. No, they're not. Slats is coming back. What? What? Look at you. What's the matter with me? You've lost the game, Slats. You're finished. Okay. I'm finished, Emily. It's the benzene fumes, old man. To pour out a lot of cleaning fluid in an airtight room like that one is practically a certain death. You know, Slats, you ought to learn more about crime. <coughs> no, you won't, Slats. You can't reach your gun. The fumes have got you. You can't move your arms or legs. Your eyesight's going. In one second more, you'll be... Got him. Dead to the world. You mean... It worked, Patricia. It's practical. It worked. Are you trying to tell me that you killed those two men? Not necessarily. Listen. That sounds like cars. Probably police cars. We're just about to be sensationally rescued, just like fiction. Jerry. Jerry. Come on, Abigail. Come on in and get us, you lug. Don't talk like Louie or we'll get a bullet through the head yet. Yeah, that is a thought. We're prisoners. We're victims. This way, please. Mr. Sergeant, and I was never so glad to see a uniform in my life. Here now, here now. What's going on in this place? Louis Miller knocked out in that room? And blimey, if it's not Slat Kelly knocked out in this room. Just a couple of mugs I polished off, Sergeant, all in the day's work. You mean they're dead? They'll be all right if you drag them out in the open air. Oh, you, I recognize you. You're the writer who was kidnapped tonight. Yes, and you will find the other snatches in that room. 
But first of all, have you got a key that'll unlock regulation police handcuffs? I certainly have, sir, and I'll get you loose in the jiffy. Never mind me, Sergeant. Never mind my handcuffs. Get this lady free. She's the one I'm concerned about. You know, that's awfully kind of you. It's something practically chivalrous. Chivalry, my eye. There you are, young lady. Have you got your notebook and pencil in that handbag? You don't want me to take dictation now. A true artist, madam, takes no account of time or place. Are you ready? Yes, Mr. Hawkstone. Well, you admit now that my plot is practical. Yes, Mr. Hawkstone. Now then, The Income Tax Murder by General Hawkstone, Chapter 1. But Mr. Hawkstone... Just as Big Ben was striking midnight, a hooded face looked into the window of the luxurious study occupied by the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Full stop. The hooded figure chuckled as it softly lowered inside the window a large tin of cleaning fluid. New paragraph. The Chancellor himself was hard at work devising a new scale of income tax. But Mr. Hawkstone, that's a completely different story. I thought you were going to murder the Lord Chief Justice. Haven't you any professional taste? How can I murder the Lord Chief Justice? I just saved his life. So ends The Customers Like Murder, starring Roland Young with Peggy Conklin. Tonight's tale of suspense. This is your narrator, the man in black, who conveys to you Columbia's invitation to spend this half hour in suspense with us again next Tuesday, same time, when our story will be The Dead Sleep Lightly. William Spear, the producer, John Dietz, the director, Bernard Herman, the composer-conductor, and John Dixon Carr, the author, elaborated on tonight's suspense. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we wrap up the week with Philip Marlowe, followed by Phil Harris and Alice Fay. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.